0: you want to overcome overwhelm for once and for all, this is the place for you. Hello, Mama Docs. Welcome back. I have the most amazing treat for you today. I am having a conversation with two amazing, badass women physicians who recently had an article that was published that I think is going to really change the face of medicine as you know, you've listened to me for a long time. I talk about the benefits of life coaching, how it's helped me, how it's helped others. These women physicians not only created a program, they got the data, they got it published, and we're here to talk about it today. So I will let them introduce themselves, but I just want to say a very warm welcome, Dr. Tyra Feinstad and Dr. Adrian Mann. Welcome.
1: Oh thank my gosh. You. Thank you. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you so much for that welcome. I think that is the warmest welcome that we have had. I'm Tyra Feinstad, and I'm an internist here at the University of Colorado. I do primary care. I'm also the resident clinic director for the residents who have their continuity clinic here at the university. So that's a big part of my work identity. And then I'm also a certified life coach through the Life Coach School and created a life coach program, life coaching program for women residents here that we will talk about a lot, Um, and I'll hold off on my long coaching journey to let Adrienne introduce
2: herself. Welcome. Thanks, and thanks, Michelle, for having us. We're so thrilled to be here. Um, I'm Adrienne Mann. I'm also an internist. I'm a hospitalist and an associate program director for the Internal Medicine Residency Program at CU, Um, also a certified life coach, and together with Tyra Built Better Together, which we're just thrilled to have the opportunity to talk with you about today.
0: So awesome. So maybe let's start just briefly. My listeners have heard my story of how I got into coaching, and I'm just curious, what, how did you learn about coaching, and how did you decide to become a certified
2: coach? So I found coaching whew, after probably having undulating cycles of burnout through medical school and residency, but not ever really having a name to it. And then got kind of my dream job after residency and committed 100% to becoming an excellent clinician, an educator, an institutional leader. Um, having a couple kids within a couple of years, moving, supporting my husband in his job, and really was feeling like I was driving 100 miles an hour in directions that were opposed to each other. I had some complicated pregnancies, and um, after my second one, my kid was sick, and I was really sick. And the only way I knew how to get through hard things was by eating. And so I found coaching through Katrina Ubell and her podcast and her coaching program. And she blew my mind. Like it changed everything about my life, learning that I didn't need to eat whenever I felt whatever emotion it was, overwhelm, stress, happy, sad, whatever. So the tools I learned from Katrina, I thought, oh my gosh, I needed to know this as a medical student. I needed to know this as a resident. And it's going to be my mission to bring self-coaching tools and coaching tools to particularly women residents, but residents across the board. And I'll let Tara tell her part of the story and how we came together.
1: Yeah. So um, my story is really similar. I was in Seattle, Washington. I went there and did my residency there. Adrienne and I were actually medical students together here at CU and she stayed here. And then I went to Seattle for residency. And similarly, I just really, really identify as an approval addict. And that is how I felt. I got through medical training. Like so many of us, I was on the sort of hamster wheel of academic medicine where like, it'll be better when you get the next thing, when you get promoted, when you graduate, when, if you get the chief residence about all the things and I knew how to do it, like it was awful. And I was on a train to burn out for sure, but I knew how to do it. And then I had two kids right after I finished residency and the floor dropped out from under me because the things I thought I knew how to do did not work with children I had pretty severe postpartum depression and anxiety, and I found myself trying to like think my way out of it and do my way out of it. Just like the only way I knew how, which was read more and try more things and try to fix it. And it did not go well. So I tried, I came to coaching. I actually tried many, many things in that dark period of my life. I had a psychiatrist, I had a therapist, I tried an SSRI. I scaled up at work. I scaled down at work. I questioned being a doctor at all and nothing helped until I begrudgingly had a free coaching session by my friend who was going through certification actually. And at that point I sort of viewed life coaching sort of like how I would view like naturopath medicine, which is like, Oh, that's interesting, but there's no evidence. So it surely won't work. But I was like, okay, fine. I will sit through this coaching session. And my entire life changed in that one session. Like I still remember the things that she taught me, just the fact that you don't have to believe your thoughts just because you're thinking them was news to me and naming and processing and emotion also news to me. And I, similarly to Adrian was kind of horrified that we didn't learn these skills in medical training, which are so incredibly valuable to being a doctor.
0: I agree. And being a human, can I just throw that out there? They should be teaching this not only in residency and medical school and college and in kindergarten. Yes. We don't know that we create our own emotions by the way we're thinking and that we don't have to believe our thoughts. Like I My world was just like, yeah, in such a good way. I was like, oh my gosh, I found the secret to the universe. So all of us had a different yet similar aha moment and a Mm -hmm. desire to Mm -hmm. go and learn more. And like, I hate to use the word proselytize, but like, spread the word.
1: That's probably a better word. Just spread the word to help our people. Oh, totally. Like, how is this not part of the curriculum? Was kind of the mission that I had. So. At this time, I was doing self-coaching scholars through the Life Coach School. Adrienne was doing Katrina Bell's program. And we both had the same thought, which was we got to create this for medical trainees. And we felt like residents were in a particularly vulnerable and important time because to me, anyways, it feels like that's when toxic thought patterns really take root. We also both have a love for GME, and that's where our education backgrounds are. So I'm still in Seattle. I'm getting ready to move back to Colorado, and I wrote a grant to create a life coaching program for women residents, and I got the grant through the Society of General Internal Medicine. It's called the Horn Award. Thank you, S. Jim. And I came here. I was hired here with this grant, which um, funded part of my time towards this effort. And simultaneously, Adrian was writing a grant. We didn't stay in touch and didn't know that we were writing the same grant or on the same journey. And she got the grant here from our department of medicine. And we have a mutual friend who's here. And she was basically like, Hey, do you ladies know that you're doing the exact same kind of kooky thing? You should get together and talk about it. So we did. That's
0: incredible. I mean, that you were kind of tapped on the shoulder by a spirit out there to do this work. That's pretty divinely inspired. I'd have to say.
2: Yeah, so too. It was really like, wait, you want to do this thing, and wait, yeah. I'm do, like you have a little That's bit of cool. thing, and I have a little bit of money to build this thing. Like, let's combine forces. And it was a whirlwind. It was the summer of 2020. Pair had just moved back. Pandemic was like in full, you know, lockdown, and we just were like, we're gonna do it. And so, in a whirlwind of a summer, we wrote six months worth of content and built a website and created a whole curriculum. Yeah. And we thought we would pilot it in like 10 or
1: 20 residents. Cause we thought, okay, we'll do a group coaching program. And similarly, I was like, these residents are going to go for it. What even is life coaching to them? How are we going to get buy-in? Like, let's just get 10 of them and do a little pre post-test pilot program to see if we can even do it. We were still kind of baby coaches at the time. We had just finished certification But we sent out the recruitment to our internal medicine residency program and got like 50 replies in the first day. And among those replies were also like, Hey, my cousin is a pediatrician. Would you think about expanding to peds? Oh, my friend is in ER medicine and she's so burnt out. Would you think about expanding this to ER? So we finally regrouped and decided to recruit among all specialties here. We arbitrarily capped ourselves at 100 because we just didn't know how much we could actually coach just the two of us. And then when we got 100, we decided to study it rigorously in a randomized controlled trial to see if what we think was true would actually be proven to be true.
0: Oh my gosh, that is incredible. So you had an idea, both of you had an idea, came together, started and we're, like, we're going to be keep it small And you started spreading the word and everyone said, I want in, I want in, I want this person in. That is amazing. So how many people were in that first cohort?
1: 101. 101.
0: So talk a bit about your program, how you have it set up, how the work was done, that sort of thing. Just kind of the bread and butter, if you will.
2: Yeah, you got it. So our program started out as a six-month six, month, six month program. Based on some feedback, we've now shortened that content to be about four months. But people who participate in Better Together can access coaching in three different ways. The first way is through Zoom coaching. So We have group calls that happened for our pilot. It was twice a week, but as we expand the program in the coming year, it's going to be more frequently, but they can come to live coaching calls that are like webinars and raise their hand and say, Hey, I want to get coached on feedback. I got, they'll come up and we'll do some coaching one-on-one, but in front of the whole group, however many people are there. So there's live coaching calls. Those calls are recorded and we're going to put them on a private podcast so that even if folks can't be there live, they can watch later. The second way to get coached is in written coaching. So similar to if you're in self-coaching scholars, you can write in and say, hey, this thing happened. This is where I'm at with it. I want coaching on it. And we'll respond back on our secure form that's confidential. So nobody can tell who's writing that in and it's available for everybody to view that's the second way. And then the third way is through the power of self-coaching. And so over the course of what will now be four months, we'll walk participants through weekly themes. We might talk about things like values, setting big, impossible goals, transitions in life and how to make big decisions, approval, addiction, perfectionism, imposter syndrome. So we have the theme of each week and then I'll have like about a 10 minute video that they can watch on their own. And then some self-study worksheets that they can work through anytime on their own. And so we found that participants love that they can pick and choose the way they want to engage with the content. So some of them love getting coached live. Some of them never come get coached live. Some are doing a ton of work on their own. We never know. And it's just really flexible and really designed to be integrated into a busy resident's life. Like we know that they're not free to come. Yeah.
0: Like yeah. You know, one day a week at a certain time, maybe isn't going to work for everyone or maybe that's their one day off in two weeks and they just want to rest or, you know, be with their family or something like that. That sounds gotcha. lovely. It sounds beautifully flexible and yet really supportive in a lot of
2: different ways. It's been really incredible to see one of the themes that came up when we talked to our residents about it is they love that they feel connected, even though we're never in the same place at the same time, you know, these women have never been in the same room together, but they see themselves reflected in each other. And that that is tremendously powerful to see somebody, see yourself in somebody else's struggle. And also just to be able to hold space for each other and recognize we're all going through so much and so much of it is the same. So it's been really powerful to see that.
0: I think that's so true. I really believe in normalizing our struggles. We're the high achievers, the perfectionists, the gold star seekers, I call us. And like, we want to like make it look like this is like no problem. And so we see other people, particularly on social media, it looks like everything's all just perfect. And to normalize that, you know what, we're humans, this is hard and that's okay to talk about it is so good and so valuable and so protective. Again, my listeners hear me all the time talk about the importance of taking care of our brain health, our mental health. So thank you for doing that work. And I agree with you 110% that normalizing struggles is
1: huge. What were we gonna say, Tyra? Oh, I was just along those same lines. I think that's actually probably why we have the impact that we did and why we got such a big drop in burnout is not necessarily because we did anything that nobody else has done but the power of group coaching compared to one-on-one coaching i really do think is why this was more impactful than say other studies who have just relied on -on one-on-one coaching which of course in and of itself is powerful But what we found in our qualitative data was really what Adrian just said reflected back like a, you know, psych intern hearing a neurosurgery chief resident struggle with the exact same thoughts that she's struggling from so much more powerful than just hearing one-on-one with a coach that everything is going to be okay. And, you know, we're all normal. Like they're actually seeing that in real time. Every single one of them has the same struggles and gosh, it's been so powerful.
0: So good. It is. I would agree. And that's really cool because those are very disparate, like residency programs. Right. But to know like, oh, we're all humans. And we sometimes have these pathways that are very similar and we all think we're not good enough. Right. Like it's very, as the word you said, powerful to see that with each other. So you brought up a term and I just would love you to explore it a little bit more about
1: quantitative results. Talk a little bit more about that. Yes. Yeah, so what we actually did was we had 101 enroll, and from January to July of 2021, we randomized 50 of them to receive the coaching program. So 50 of the volunteers got this coaching program for six months, and 50 of them did not. They had residency as usual. We surveyed at all 101 of them before the coaching program, and then we surveyed all 101 of them after the coaching program. And so, by doing it this way, we sort of rule out confounders that maybe cause them to have decreased burnout because of their timeline or because they chose to be in it. This was kind of everybody got the same survey, but 50 of them didn't get coached. So, what we found was our primary outcome was burnout, and we measured that with the Maslach Burnout Index. And we had a statistician on our team who did a lovely power analysis for us before we did this program, and. What she told us actually was that we were severely underpowered to find any results with our population. Mostly that's because all of the data in the literature with residents in most wellness indices, but especially burnout shows that it's just very hard to decrease burnout in this group. To even drop the NASLAC burnout inventory score by one point our statistician said we would have to have somewhere around five to 600 residents to find that difference. So we were oh. like, oh, yeah. Know. He doesn't know okay. the magic of coaching, but I'll let you right. know. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what Adrian and I said. We were like, okay, well, we think we have a really powerful intervention, so we're going to go for it anyways. And she was like, okay, maybe this will just be like a proof of concept study you can write up your qualitative results sort of not really expecting much so that made the results so much more exciting our primary outcome of burnout we did decrease the most important facet the Maslach burnout inventory has three facets emotional exhaustion feeling exhausted instead of fulfilled by work personal accomplishment so feeling like you have a sense of accomplishment and then depersonalization or like a lack of empathy those of those three facets, emotional exhaustion is the one that is most correlated with things like anxiety, depression, dropping out from the field, or even suicidality. And that's the one we got the biggest result in. We dropped that one by about four points from, yeah. Woohoo. That again. Yeah. We dropped Emotional exhaustion by four points in the intervention compared to the control group. The control group actually got a little bit worse in that time. They went up a point, which is about on par with what we know happens as a natural progression of residency. You get more burnt out the more medical training you have. Wow. That is incredible. Thanks. We also looked at self-compassion. We used Neff's self-compassion scale to measure that. We had a big increase, a statistically significant increase in self-compassion, and we had a lucky curative reduction in imposter syndrome. We used the young imposter syndrome symptom scale. And just by where that inventory draws their line between, yes, you have imposter syndrome or no, you don't. We took participants on average from having it to on average, not having it. Those were Again,
0: incredible. My listeners hear me all the time singing the praise of Kristen Neff and self-compassion and how we all need more of that. Just a little dollop of that every day goes a long way. And also, too, the imposter syndrome is something that so many people struggle with. I think that a lot of people just assume like, yep, this is just, you know, who I am. But the fact that you could turn the dial so dramatically in all these areas is phenomenal. So you went through the program. Tell me, thank
1: you so much for explaining that to me. Yeah. Adrienne said it was like Christmas morning when we got our results back is sort of what it felt like. Um, We, I forgot to mention, we coached, we did offer coaching to our control group from July to December of 2021. Um, So we were in the middle of coaching them. We just offered the exact same program because we didn't want to withhold this amazing program we had built from anyone who wanted it. So we did that um, and we also started preparing for a qualitative analysis. Adrienne, do you want to talk about that?
2: Yeah. So um, kind of during this time, we were preparing to do some qualitative interviews of the participants of the original group. So the 50 women who went through the program first. And so together with our research team, we scheduled interviews and asked those participants a bunch of questions about what they think was good about the program, what worked, um, why did they think it had the impact it had? And that's kind of what I shared with you before. They just loved that it was connecting. They felt seen. Um, They loved that it was flexible. And then finally we teach them the model. You know, we teach them circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results, and the relationship between those things. And they found that that was a powerful tool that they can apply in their lives. Like, which we all know, right? Like now, but they thought I learned that thing that was new and I'm applying it in my life for the better.
0: That's incredible. And that they're learning it in residency. I learned it about four years ago and I was, you know, a family doc who was doing deliveries. And I'll tell you what, knowing how to do the model, when I was feeling really stressed out about a woman that I was inducing in labor and I was feeling so stressed out about it, I'd reach into my drawer, grab a piece of scrap paper and just start writing down what's the circumstance, how am I feeling, what are my thoughts? And it just gave me back the control that I was looking for. And it is like phenomenal. Like people, we need to know our vital signs. You need to know the thought model.
2: You know, I always joke. It's like a soap note. You know, when you're seeing how to communicate as a physician, your baby doctor, like in medical school, we're just learning that like subjective, objective and assessment and plan, they go into different buckets. And that's one of the reasons that we think the model is so perfect for physicians or clinicians is because we know how to think. We've learned how to think like that. And so now I'm just saying, guys, take your thoughts, plug them into the right bucket. Like you can use this tool anytime. And it's a light bulb.
0: It's so cool. It is useful in so many different ways, but even just to think about like, oh my God, I'm feeling so stressed. I mean, again, we don't need to go into all the details and my listeners have heard it, but just to explore like what is going on in this mind of mine that's having all these bajillion thoughts a day. So I love that they love that and they can use it day to day. So super awesome. What was the most surprising thing to you in doing this work?
2: I want to say, you know, we went into it fully believing it was going to work, but yeah. So you're like, it's not a surprise. (laughs) It wasn't a surprise, but it was still a surprise.
0: Yes. Um, You knew it, but it was nice to see like the evidence.
2: Yeah. And then I think the other thing that was surprising, I have never identified as a person who did research. Like I don't think of myself as a researcher I never have before and so the idea that within the space of a year or a year and a half I would have applied for a grant like written an IRB application that we would have built something that didn't exist before and bring it into fruition study it prove that it works and then in the course just of two years have written it up and published it like that blows my mind every morning I wake up and I'm like who is this this is not me yeah, oh, completely.
1: I mean, I this was our this was my impossible goal for sure. I also really really did not I even resisted research and I had to manage my mind around that a lot. And so I think the fact that we've done something that was published in Jama and are gearing up to do an even bigger version of that is surprising every day still. I'm also surprised I'm not surprised that it worked. I knew that it was going to work. We just finished analyzing some longitudinal data, which means we took participants who went through this program and gave them the same survey out at 12 months. And specifically, we took the ones that didn't continue on in coaching in any way or form with us. And so they got the coaching and then they stopped coaching and we wanted to see if we had a sustainable effect. And they totally do. We're in the process of writing that up now, but that effect continues even without active guided coaching. And so that actually was surprising to me because these are trainees and many of them are still residents or maybe now fellows or very early faculty. And surely I mean, maybe a handful of them are really dedicated to this, but I think most aren't. What it showed me is that it's just so powerful even to have a one-time exploration of your brain, that that can potentially be a lifelong change and not necessarily need any more. I mean, oh my gosh. I
0: love that. I believe in prevention. I'm in primary care. I mean, you gals are internists, like let's do something ahead of time. We know that burnout is a huge problem for folks in medicine. Like let's do something preventatively. And this, I just have to, whenever I can shout out my uh, younger sister, Gretchen, who my listeners have heard died by suicide a year ago. The last time we spoke on the phone, was three days before she died. It was the first time ever she used the word burnout with me. She's like, I'm just so stressed, I'm so tired. I don't need to go on into all the details, but she kind of came around and calmed down. But then she said, Michelle, you need to bring this coaching stuff to the medical students, and so I said, "Yes, I believe that medical students and residents need to learn this. I have colleagues who are doing that. I personally love, you know, working with the young physician moms." And she said, "Well, you know, medical students need to hear this." And I think she was right on track in the sense that this can be preventive. And so after she died, I it said, "You know, I hear you, Gretchen. I'm going to do the work. Others are doing the work, and this is proof that it does work." And even just getting a dollop of understanding of how our brain works early on. I mean, imagine if you take this and we do get it down into the medical school. I was at a conference recently and someone said they were starting some coaching work in the medical students. And I'm like, okay, it's happening. The little ripple effect is happening. So that's just pretty kind of amazing and fantastic. So I love that you found that. Piece of information. One thing I want you to do before we move on is tell people what are where they can find this article. I know the date and the number, but I want you to share it and then talk a little bit about more about this
1: bigger study that you're doing. Yes, you can find if you just Google JAMA Feinstad Man. It will come up. Um, it's JAMA Network Open, and so it's open for the public. You don't need to have a university login to get it. You can download the PDF or read it online. Um, and you can just Google our name JAMA, and it's like the first thing that comes up. I'm sure May sixth, 2022. Yeah, that's right. It was published in May sixth.
0: The very famous date. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So now,
1: what's in the works? Oh man, we're gonna we're going big. We are doing a mirror image of this pilot study in um, almost 30 graduate medical education institutions across the country. So Whoa, maybe, yeah. that is big. Yeah, I, that's like maybe, and I was wrestling with, maybe that's the thing that's shocked me the most is how incredibly easy it felt to find institutions that wanted to participate in this bigger study I was surprised because we have a couple of research mentors and people that are in the research world who were like, you know, maybe you'll be able to find one or two, but it's going to be a really big lift to, you know, find national connections as such junior and novice investigators. And it just wasn't like we there's not one institution that ended up turning us down. I can't imagine anybody that wouldn't want this after we had the data to show, but it felt so easy and so fun to get on and talk with deans and DIOs of various programs. And so we were able to get almost 30 institutions. We've had to turn people down now because we can't, we don't want a hundred. We don't know how many we can actually do, but our goal with this next study, it's going to be another randomized controlled trial with women residents and fellows across the country and our Aim is to have somewhere around 2,000. And our second aim is to ensure that this is generalizable to different geographic locations, other specialties, different races. Our population here in Colorado was mainly white, heterosexual, cis, female. And so we're really interested to see if this can reach people of other identities also. We have had to scale up our coaching, and we've fortunately been able to onboard many physician coaches who are volunteering their time for us. So we'll hold more calls. Adrian can talk a little bit about the programmatic changes for this study.
2: Yeah, the main difference is um, that six months is a long time for residents. So we noticed that we think we could get through what we wanted to get through just in four months instead of six, and that would protect them from feeling like they had to engage with this stuff over the summer or over the holidays when when they're busy and when they want to be resting and being with family. So we've shortened the program to four months from six. And then we've added some many new excellent coaches from all across the country and all different backgrounds and all different specialties to be able to basically double or triple the number of calls per week that we can host. And so instead of just having calls on Tuesday and Thursday nights at 7 p.m., which is what we did for the initial pilot, we're going to be having calls at different times for different time zones so that people across the country can participate and hopefully within their schedule. So those are the main changes, but otherwise not much is not much is going to be changed.
0: Sounds fantastic. So I have a question. So all these different institutions, 30 institutions, if there's a Tuesday night call and that works for me, I hop on. Are there going to be people from other
1: institutions as well? Oh my gosh, that sounds phenomenal. So fun, right? We have people in Alaska, we have people in New York and everywhere in between. And all specialties so you could jump on and be with people from all different locations there's a level of confidentiality probably that there wasn't with just our program that'll be there so we're really excited about that we're also really excited just to have this massive scale up and show ourselves some information like what is the right number of coaches to participants and what is the right number of calls per week to have ideally we're hoping to take this back to maybe institutions like the ACGME, so the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education and say, look at this super scalable, relatively cheap compared to one-on-one coaching solution that we've created for burnout. Wouldn't it be great to offer this to say every resident in the country? Can I just
0: say amen to that? Because that is exactly what we need. We have an epidemic of burnout among residents, among attendings, probably among medical students as well. And we have a proven solution. So whenever I go around the country and I speak about burnout and I share my sister's story, I say, okay, let's stop talking about burnout. Let's stop doing inventories just for fun skis. And let's let's actually do something that is proven. So thank you so much for creating the evidence and the data to show the world that this works. And again, I really do believe that it's going to be unconscionable within the next few years if organizations aren't doing this. So I love that you're linking it to with ACGME. So that's going to be a part of accreditation. Yeah.
2: That would be maybe, I mean, hopefully that would be my (laughs) thing. I'll just like lock it in. I think what you just said, Michelle, I want to really make sure we hit home is, um, What we want Better Together to be is a way for institutions to invest in the well-being of their people, whether it's GME trainees, UME trainees, faculty, whatever. Both Tara and I invested personally a ton of money in getting coaches on the outside. And um, it's our belief that this is one mechanism for institutions to really meaningfully invest in the well-being of their people. And so it takes a little bit of that financial responsibility off of the The clinician off of the individual and places it at the institutional level saying, Hey, this isn't on the outside. This is an expensive thing to get. And it's important enough that we want to give it to you. And so we hope to build something that can serve both those purposes.
0: I love it. I'm going to run around the nation speaking again. I think sharing my sister's story is pretty powerful, but then I'm going to point to you and say, this is how it's done. And it can be done reasonably. And again, my hope is that, People say, welcome to our organization, welcome to our residency, here's your badge, here's your parking card, and here's your coaching program. Because we deal with trauma on the regular, we are not taught these things about our brain, and it really reduces burnout and all of the things that you already mentioned. So I'm really excited about what's to come. That sounds perfect. Michelle, let's write a perspective
1: piece together.
0: Hey, all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know exactly what that means, but I will follow (laughs) along and learn. I love to learn. So I too can learn how to do this sort of thing. Totally. (laughs) Is this still all, I'm sure it's still all voluntary. So these, you know, different institutions that you've partnered with, they provide it as an option. So it's not like a mandatory
1: yeah, that's right. we, think we feel pretty strongly that it's opt in. Um, so that only people who want to be there end up being there.
0: How do you give the initial information? Because again, you mentioned that you were a skeptic, like, oh, that's nice. Um, but that's not for me. So how do you give information to let people know that it might be something that they're interested in? It might benefit them.
1: You know, it's actually right now because we're studying it, it's pretty controlled by the IRB, the Institutional Review Board, who says this is how you are allowed to recruit participants. And so while we would love to have wonderful marketing techniques and get all up in their social media, we are constrained pretty heavily to three recruitment emails that go out from a general listserv. So we try to make those recruitment emails look as pretty as we can, um, but it's not easy. You know, in this round, we are lucky that we are able to use some testimonials, which I think are probably the most powerful Um, recruitment technique that we have. We can show them all the data, but as you know, until you link a story to it, people don't tend to get kind of pulled in. And so we have our little recruitment emails and we're really relying on people with boots on the ground at these institutions to kind of help us get some energy up around this program. I mean, to be honest, we did not struggle to recruit people here. (laughs) And I'm really thinking that we won't. I think the problem of burnout is so prevalent and the lip service around it is a lot and the actual movement is nothing. And so I think the residents are hungry for this is what we found. Um, I think it's hopefully I'm hoping that it will be quite easy. Yeah, I think so. And I
0: think that coaching is becoming more well-known. I mean, five years ago, I didn't even know what it was. And, you know, I did my certification and there were a few dozen coaches and now we have hundreds of physician coaches. And so it just keeps growing and growing. The snowball is just taking place. So I think that the general population, the general physicians are also learning like, oh, there's this thing called coaching that's supposed to be pretty good. And I love that you're working with the institutions because, you know, I don't mean to disparage the institutions and say like, oh, quit it with the yoga and the pizza parties. I think they're trying. And yet here's what I just want to listen. Any administrators listening, any CEOs, like we're going to make it really easy for you. (laughs) This is what you do. This is how you reduce burnout is do
1: this program or something similar. So how do people...
0: What's that? I was just going to say, I pretty
1: openly say quit it with the yoga and the pizza parties. Cause actually percent, it's like nice try,
0: but do something. And when I was in and out, you know, I had that undulating, you know, burnout as well, Adrian, that you mentioned, and nothing made me more furious than getting an email to ask me again, to do the burnout inventory. I'm like, what has changed since the last time? And the more burnt out I was, the less apt I was to fill out the thing, which
2: is interesting too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think one of the things that Tyra and I are also really careful about, it's really easy to point fingers and say, I'm burnt out because of my institution or for the institution to say, hey, individual, do more yoga. Here's a pizza party. And we feel very strongly that that is the wrong approach to addressing burnout and that what we hope to present is an opportunity for individuals to harness the benefits of coaching in a way that's supported by the institution so that everybody is getting what they
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. I agree. I always just say like, yes, the culture does need to change, but like, let's empower the people and then, you know, we can work in concert. And so the fact that you are working with institutions that are supporting this, I think that's beautiful and fantastic. And I'm really just hoping that it just becomes like, oh yeah, this is just how we do it. This is how we take care of our people so that they're, that we retain them. I think the Cleveland Clinic study uh, did a study a year or two ago that they saved like How many millions of dollars, 30 million, something like that, because they did, you know, retained physicians with their coaching program. So that's pretty cool too.
2: Yeah, this is culture change, right? Like we want this to be a change in culture.
0: Yes, yes. And it just is one at a time, right? When we teach one person the thought model, it's like, oh, they can change how they're perceiving things. They can whisper it to their colleagues. We don't need to whisper. We can talk about it, you know, with our colleagues and people like, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah so so awesome, very strong work, ladies. How are you doing with all of your work and coaching and doing all these, you know research things? How are you doing, I'm taking care of you?
1: You know, we're still, you know we are question. humans with human brains and it requires so much mind management. Um, I get coaching regularly individually and sometimes in a group. And honestly, Adrian and I coach each other often. And so there is just no way that I would be here without personal coaching skills. My life right now is so, so much fuller than it was five years ago. I was a like part-time primary care doctor with nothing else on my plate. And I think the things on my plate have increased by 500%. And I feel so much Happier and more organized. And I think it is only because of coaching, myself and receiving coaching. It's like, <laughs> hear it from us. It does not, I don't experience less negative emotions right now than I did before. Like the 50 50 is real. The struggle is real. I am not some like badass robot at managing my mind. I am still. In it regularly, Adrienne watched me just have a meltdown actually before this call about other things. And so I would just say that like to everybody out there who sees a JAMA publication and thinks you have to have your life together to get one of those. Let me tell you that you do not. I do not. Here I am living proof.
0: Well, thank you for sharing your humanness, because I do think that sometimes we think, oh, they've got it all together. It's like, no, we just learn to allow the emotions. We learn that when we start to spiral out of control, that we can either do some self coaching or grab a coach or get on our one on one call or our group call and help us manage our mind. And it makes a huge difference. And I love that you mentioned that you've never been busier and yet more fulfilled. I used to be stressed out just working three days a week. And with my kids, I thought I can't even do one more thing. I can't even go to these extra meetings they're talking about. And then when I started my coaching and started a business, I was so much more full and I had never felt less overwhelmed. So people, it is possible.
2: Yeah. I think for, for me, what coaching has allowed me to do is like actually notice I look for connection and service. Like those are the values that I come back to in my work. And before I didn't know that. And so I was just looking for whatever outside of me that could give me some validation. And now that I know what I'm looking for in my work, like, am I doing something that, like, where am I finding connection and service in my work? And if I'm finding connection and service in my work, which is my job to find, I'm happy. And yes, I'm committed. And like, yes, there's so much on the plate. And no, I'm not well managed all the time. Like, definitely not. But now that I know that I need to go back to those touchstones, it's just so much clearer to me why I'm saying yes and why I'm saying no. I did not have that before.
0: So good. Because when we think we just need to say yes to just collect more things and do more, that was my strategy when I was feeling overwhelmed and less than or, you know, feeling inadequate. I'm like, I guess I have to do more, but not really understanding what those values were. So that's really, really huge. So here's a question. Do you have, you mentioned a website. Is that something that the general public can take a look at or, you know, my listeners, or is that just for your study folks?
2: No, there's a public facing page that you can go and learn more about us. Our study is linked there. It's better together, physician, coaching.com. Wonderful. I will have
0: a link in the show notes. Thank you. Super awesome. And are you doing any one-on-one coaching? I Don't imagine you have a ton of time, but I'm just wondering if that's possible. If I wanted to work with you right now, but in the future. (laughs) You're like, not one more thing right now. (laughs) I think this is just incredible. And the fact, I mean, you could go back two years, the beginning of the pandemic, and look how much you've created. And that ripple effect People are going to listen to this and this ripples. The people that you worked with are going to work with someone else on a different rotation or when they become an attending and they're going to share this information. It is just delightful the work that you guys have done, gals have done, that will continue to bear fruit over the years.
1: Thank you so much. I will say, even though we don't do individual coaching, if anyone out there would like us to come talk to an institution, we have done many, many grand rounds on coaching style topics and love to spread the word that way. Wonderful. A super effective way to get leadership on board. If we come in looking professional into a grand round situation and then talk about imposter phenomenon and introduce coaching that way, we tend to get a lot of buy-in. So if anyone out there would ever like that, please feel free to reach out.
0: And how should they reach out? Do you have a
1: link on your website? There is a link in particular, if you know of an institution that would like to provide coaching for their trainees, their medical trainees, there's a link there. I'm also happy sharing my work email in your show notes also. And that's an easy way to um, have a request. Perfect. A workshop or a presentation. So good
0: because I have listeners all around the nation. So you're hearing this and they're thinking, we want this. I know that I have people who work in residency programs. They can contact you and like get on the docket for like the next round, or you can help them explain how to work with their institution. This is, this is so exciting. I just know that this is going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And I know I'm going to need to have you back after this next big study. So we can celebrate and talk about those results.
2: Oh, perfect.
0: Any last things that you would like to share with, my listeners or
1: the people out in the world. Just keep doing your work.
0: That's awesome.
1: That's right. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks for adding to the momentum that we're all working towards. This is such important work for physicians. And I think I've noticed the effect, not just in trainees, but it's completely changed how I interact with patients and families.
0: Isn't that fun? When you can use some of those tools with patients, I get so much less frustrated and much more compassion for them completely changed
1: my doctoring for for the best. So don't forget the ripple effect that Michelle keeps talking about. It's so massive and the tidal wave I think is coming.
0: The tidal wave is coming. And do you know who's starting the tidal wave? The women physicians. Yes. So we're I wish you could all see us. We're all doing a little dance here. I mean it's just (laughs) phenomenal. Again, I love our male physician colleagues as well. And yet, you know, we're starting to kind of take over and realize we have something that works that helps, that is sustainable, and we're spreading the word. So watch out, world. Here we come.
1: Yes. Thank you
0: so much for coming on and taking time to speak with me today. I loved having this conversation.
1: Oh, Michelle, thank you.
0: Thank you. Bye. Are you ready to take control of your life and put these tools into action? I'm here to help. I offer free consultations for physician moms to see if my one-on-one coaching package is right for you. You can sign up for a free consult at www.mamadoclifecoach.com.